Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Fueling your mission all year round. Your home for everything rugby league. This is Running It Straight with Tony Kemp and Sam Hewitt on SENZ. Welcome in to Running It Straight, people. It is grand final week in the NRL. Well, it's the best time of the year. The best time of the year. And we've got two hours full of rugby league content to bring at you between now and four o'clock. Sam Hewitt alongside Tony Kemp. Lots coming up. Lots coming up on today's show. Uh, we're going to have a chat with uh, Cowboys coach Todd Payton. He's one of the unfortunate ones that isn't in this weekend's grand final, but he's had one heck of a season. Coach of the Year for sure. Um, the Dallium Awards are actually tonight, and uh, you'd imagine he's going to pick up that gong. We're going to talk with Todd just about um, the season, um, how it sort of progressed for him and his Cowboys team, what he learned from 2021, um, a little bit about uh, him off the field, and uh, we answer a few, or uh, we'll ask him a few of your questions too off uh, the text machine, double eight double three. Uh, we're going to catch up as well. With one of the greats, Andrew Johns, the uh, former Newcastle Knight Premiership winner. He's going to cast his eye over the finals this weekend. We're hoping to uh, get former Kiwis captain, World Cup winner, uh, and Parramatta Eels, 260-odd games for them, uh, Nathan Kalis on the program after 3 o'clock. That's a big TBC at the moment, but uh, if we can get to him, that would be fantastic. So we're going to sink our teeth into a lot of uh, grand final preview for you. Um, but we're also going to talk about the Dally M's. We've got, a, funnily enough, we've got a Warriors name change as well which we might touch on too so you can text at any point throughout the show double eight double three we are building towards the grand final Penrith and Parramatta on Sunday 9.30 New Zealand time kickoff so get involved on the show in any way you can Kempi it is the best time of year oh it is by by country mile <laughs> it's a few love league mate I love it I think uh, you know they couldn't have asked for a better final series the way that it panned out South Sydney playing the Roosters in the first round along with Parramatta Penrith. Um, you've got the New South Wales Queensland argument going on last week as Queen, uh, North Queensland get knocked out by Parramatta. And you've got a West, Western Sydney grand final, which the NRL would have been banking on. Yeah. So, well, um, hey, judging by the voice messages you were sending me on that. <laughs> Over the weekend oh as well. Oh, my God. Like, I, I really wanted to package them up and, and bring them to air, but uh, there's probably just too many expletives for yeah. uh, for radio. Oh, but it was just such <laughs> such good football, such good viewing over the past uh, three weeks that I'm expecting no no different this weekend when Parramatta come out against Penrith. I've had, I've had a number of mates who have contacted me and said that Parramatta win this game. You know, that's... They're dreaming. Uh, and you know, <laughs> I think it's. I think that people love to hate Penrith because of how good they are. This I is agree. their third grand I final, agree. and they want to see whether or not anyone can beat them. You know, you know the hard thing about that, Sam. You know, they've won the under twenties, they've won the under eighteens, the under sixteens, and the reserve grade final. And this week, for the first time in history, they'll probably win the main um, big dance and just hold on to this legacy. For how many more years? That's the that's the question. Yeah, well, with those junior programs, that's a sign that yeah, this isn't just a, a short term thing. But it's funny that you mentioned people hating Penrith. I've never understood that. I 
I love watching Penrith play. I think when you when they're in full flight, that is, you know, in in many ways how the game should be played. They're just so silky out the back with their passing. Their forwards are, are strong and determined. Um, their defence is. I mean, the one thing I notice a lot with Penrith is they very, very rarely get caught on the edges, like so many teams do. We talk a lot about you know wingers cheating in or the centres pulling in on there. Penrith basically never do that. They shift as one. That they work with each other. You know, the Fords don't get lazy. It's it, they're just clinical. They are clinical. I don't. I don't understand why people hate them. Other well, than that, they're you good. Got to, you got to think of it from a from a. I guess a development p- perspective. You know, so if you're one in the 16s, 18s, and 20s, and then you're two grade um, away from first grade. You know, so you're two, you 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 play some first grade, and you play some reserve grade. Well, you got to think that your system and your DNA within that club is solid as. Mm. So you're coming in, in amongst players, you know, if you have a look at the likes of um, uh, Tuggle and and, and Ator and, and players like that, Luai, that have all been coming through the grades together, and young grades at that, mm. they get into first grade and they just have really solidified their, um, their place in, in rugby league, especially at the Penrith Club. So I think if you're looking at the development model, and I've said this on uh, Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe, is that Phil Gould, you need to take your hat off. You need to tip your hat to Phil Gould for going into Penrith at a time when the club was struggling. They weren't just struggling on the football field, but they were struggling financially off the football field. Yeah. Leagues club was in a bit of a in a bit of turmoil, and he's gone around it by creating this. Uh, I can only say this legacy building, um, high performance centre that in such a short time has shown the likes of Newcastle, the likes of the Warriors, you know, the likes of uh, North Queensland, Melbourne, what you can achieve if you actually get your kids to want to play at your club. So the, the question I was going to ask you, Kempi, is Penrith, that catchment area for junior players, is it a hotbed that they've just finally tapped into or have they created it themselves? Well, or, a, you know, It's the fastest growing um Geographical area for Polynesians because they're all going out west. So got Blacktown, right. you know, Parramatta, um, the the local derby between Penrith and Parramatta has been around for years. Western Western Tigers, they're the other team that are going to benefit from the from the back of this too because you can't take everyone into that Penrith um, catchment that they've got at the high performance centre because there's only so many kids that you can take. So no, it's not it's not as if they've just tapped into it. It's just that that urban sprawl is where all of our Polynesian boys are going. It's sort of a like a perfect storm for it to well, the, the, this is and this is the difference between New Zealand and Penrith is that the boys that are out there the, at the Western Sydney they actually want to stay there mm. they don't want to go to any other club no they want to, rep, they want I, to represent but Penrith but that's success as well right like they now if you're looking at it now that is the number one destination surely for any player is Penrith well, you're not going to get in there. That's my point. But you, but that's the one you want. Yeah, isn't you're it? not you're not going to get in there because of the growth of, of the urban sprawl out there. So most of those kids that are coming through there, they live there anyway. Yeah. So and that's my point. Yeah, like, I see. If you I live see. in New Zealand, yeah, you should be wanting to come to the Warriors. If you create the system and the, and the development model, hmm. then they will want to stay. Like you know, you've, we've got a number of players. You look at the the Daily M's tonight that will pick up. Hmm. Kiwi boys will pick up. I think you know we'll probably get three. Yep. Kiwi boys. Joey Tarpany, What Joey Manu might. I think Joey Manu's a, a yeah, along with Val Holmes, uh, Dylan Brown. I think's a shoe in at six. So. Okay. Um, but they're not here at the Warriors. No. And know? do you think as well that's because what you were mentioning, you know, they moved there. The Polynesian, we all know that the family, you know, being close to family, being surrounded by your family, helping your family is very, very important to that culture. So once the family moves, 
you know, they, they sort of set up there. Whereas with the Warriors, it's like we're just getting the guy, we're almost pulling them away from their families, aren't we? We're pulling them back to New Zealand or, you know, away from the islands to New Zealand. Is that fair? Um, in, in some sense it is, but no, because I think, you know, rugby league in this country is played generally by um, lower socio um, families and whanau from around the country that, that love to stick together and would love nothing more than to be able to travel up to Auckland and, and mm. visit their kid as opposed to wondering whether or not they can afford to get a ticket to go to Sydney. Mm. The, 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 the big difference here is that they built it. So he identified it, Phil Gould. He said, I need to get into the to the, to the government to get me a, a centre built. He, they built this high-performance centre, and then he went around building all the development models underneath it that funnelled them all back into the centre. Mm. And in a short amount of time, he's no longer there. He's, a, he's doing the same thing with the Bulldogs. Yeah. Like the Bulldogs, he's already, I said this last week, he's starting to bring in all the old boys. He's starting to bring that same development model back. So look out for the Bulldogs in the, in the next few years. But in Penrith, it's a, such a short time no one wants to go anywhere yeah it's a, it's a shame we lost him at the Warriors um, look we're going to talk obviously a lot of grand final uh, we're going to talk a lot of Penrith a lot of Parramatta just a quick text from Jared who said the, the hating the Panthers thing it's like the Crusaders um, it's not Jared because the Crusaders are cheats uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Cyclops no, the Cyclops no, supporters down there uh, in the I don't think it's hating I just don't think it's hating Penrith I'm, I think it's the, the competitiveness oh. of how consistent they Correct. can perform over Correct. 80 minutes and if you don't show up to play for 80 minutes you're never going to beat Pe- them people, yeah, people don't like a team that like a team I'm trying to think of a comparison like a team like the Rabbitohs aren't to a lot of people hateable because they don't sort of win all the time. The Storm had it for a number of years where basically everyone couldn't stand the Storm because they were unbeatable. And now it's Penrith, right? They're unbeatable. And t- people just don't like that, Kempi. People don't like a team that, you know, is impossible to beat. And then people think all the calls go their way, you know, and they think they're cocky. And there are some players in that team who flaunt it a little bit. Guys like Jerome Luai, you know, he flaunts, he flaunts it. But they're confident. You know, they, they, um, they love playing with one another. They love playing rugby league. You can tell that. And they love playing with one another. So, yeah, they're probably a little bit overconfident. But... Look, they're in their third grand final in a row. Um, could go back to back. And uh, like you mentioned, with all those junior programs, for the first time in history. So there you go. Um, why don't we quickly just touch on, because we're going to talk through the games from the weekend, the preliminary finals, but can we just touch on the Warriors' name change? So Vodafone now, have, uh, as a company in New Zealand, are rebranding to One New Zealand. One News? No, no, one New Zealand. It's ironic. It sounds like one news, and it's it? ironic that their logo is a zero. Um, one New Zealand, but <laughs> but the, obviously the problem for the Warriors is for how many years they've been known as the Vodafone Warriors, and they've come out basically straight away and said from next year we are the One New Zealand Warriors. It's um it's gonna be it's gonna take people a while to get their head around that. I think. They go like, the, go like, the mighty one New Zealand warrior. Yeah, but it's like Mount Smart was always called Ericsson. Yeah, it's true. That you know what I mean? So it does take a while, yeah, but people, yeah, yeah. people do move on. I think it's not the one New Zealand warriors. Like, oh, do, I just want to say one news, but it's not the one New Zealand warriors. <laughs> I think the, the the connotations around the one and the zero, is, yeah. there's a lot more to play out than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well... Um, Jerseys as well, hey. If you've got a Vodafone jersey, that's going to be a prize, but a memorabilia in about thirty or forty years. Which, um, which one? The sixty sixty yeah, jerseys that well, come out last two years. Just as long as it's got <laughs> Vodafone on it. And I imagine the uh, Warriors store, uh, online store, are, are hustling right now to change all the graphics over. 
Um, I, I want to bring this up um, from Shannon. We had three grades in 2011 play grand final day when Ivan was with us. Now we have bugger all development. It's a great point, Shannon. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit between three and four, Kempi. Let's just quickly go through the games from the weekend, um, and then we're going to have a chat to Todd Payton from the Cowboys. So let's start with the Panthers um, beating the Rabbitohs. And last week, Kempi, I did tip the Rabbitohs. I thought um, I had a feeling that they were going to get up. And I tell you what, for the first, um, what was it, 18 minutes, they were they were 12 nil up. And I thought, um, you know, I think Penrith are rattled. But Penrith just do oh, what Penrith – yeah, they were. But they do what they do best, and that's just they get back into the fight. They grind it out. I mean, they didn't – people – the Penrith didn't score to the 35th minute. So it wasn't like they bounced back straight away. They just slowly got back into the game. And then, I mean, everyone talks about – it was the, the turning point was the, the Toto try just before halftime. Yeah, well, the turning point was the first uh, mistake from Latrell Mitchell that led the first try in. Mm. And then the second mis- mistake was another one from Latrell Mitchell when he decided to go for four points when they should have just worked it down and taken a point mm. and gone on seven points up yep. at half time, which would have been a bit more of a morale booster coming out and trying to stop the relentless Penrith Panthers from just knocking on the door. But um, look, I thought South Sydney were playing extremely well right up until those two decisions by Latrell Mitchell, um, which is really I- ironic because they said with Latrell Mitchell that they win the game last year and it, and it was Latrell Mitchell that led them back into the game in the first half uh, and to square it all up at half time at 12 all so um, they just do the little things consistently well Penrith they, they don't go off script and you have to stick with them for 80 minutes yeah. and I remember sitting down there after about 25 minutes saying you know South Sydney are right in this game the, their defence was spot on and they were getting stuck in. You know, they were they were carrying the football. I think Leota, when he put that shot on Latrell Mitchell coming off his own line, Latrell because Latrell Mitchell does waltz in a tackle sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was trying to he was trying to be a little bit cocky. I think that I think that shocked Latrell Mitchell, and I think it threw him into a little bit of disarray. And I didn't don't think he recovered after no, that hit. He, he was. I want to say missing in that game, but he, I mean, there was a, I think in the second half, he touched the ball like three times or yeah. something, which I mean, if, you, if you're the talisman for your team, you don't touch the ball three times. Yeah, and they can't use the, the you know, we weren't, um, I've heard a, a couple of excuses saying, oh, look, we, we ran out of players and we, we ran out of energy and stuff like that. You know, the, the amount of people that said that Penrith were probably going to come into this underdone because they've had, you know, three weeks off, some, you know, Nathan Cleary's had six weeks off. Um, with a suspension included, that they would be underdone. Well, they had no excuses, South. And on the back of those two big errors right before half time, um, they just never recovered. Mm. I mean, they never recovered no. in that second half. No. Um, player of the game for you? Oh, I thought Dylan Edwards was outstanding. He's my he's my most consistent player, underrated player. He reminds me a lot of Tony Butterfield, a guy I played with at Newcastle, that went around doing his job and played well above his weight in a, in a competition that was really tough and every other player knew that when you came up, came up against him, he was going to give his all in every game. Dylan Edwards is that bloke. I'm picking him to, you know, to be my daily M winner of the winner tonight. Mm. I think he's done enough in that team to still pick up points. Well, even, that's the hardest thing, Even yeah. when they shut the, 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 the points down where you don't know. Yeah. So he was there in the mix, not right up there with Ben Hunt um, and Nico Hines, but I think over the last sort of eight, to 10 weeks of the competition, he's probably been the best in the comp. That is the hardest thing, though, is you're playing in a team that 
the points will get shared a lot because they win every game and they win so handsomely. Um, Kim, we've got to run because we've got Todd Payton um, who's ready to go on the line. We're going to take a short break. We haven't been able to talk about Eels Cowboys, so we might talk that off the back of um, talking to Todd Payton. Obviously, he wants to be in the grand final, his team, who did amazingly this year. They're not there. Um, so we got him on because we just want to talk about um, you know the 2022 season as a whole for him, um, how he was able to turn around and, uh, and where he thinks it's all heading. If you've got any questions, just text her on 8833. That's the Timber Bed Post text machine. We'll try and get those to Todd Payton, who will chat to after the break. Welcome back in, and uh, we have a very special guest on the line right now. He's the hottest uh, property in the NRL this year, in my mind. Uh, Todd Payton out of the North Queensland Cowboys. Of course, they finished 15th in 2021. He took them to second on the ladder this year, just unfortunately failing at the second last hurdle in the preliminary final. Uh, but he joins us on the line now. Todd, uh, welcome in. Hey, guys. How you going? Mate, we're doing well. I know it's only been a couple of days, but have you, I guess, had a chance to just sort of sit back and reflect on 2022? Uh, well, at the moment, probably still disappointed. Um, you know, having a home prelim and missing out on an opportunity to play in the grand final still hurts a little bit. Um, so just trying to process that. Um, you know, in the coming days, I'll get my head around it. Yeah, all in all, I know we play some really good footy, um, become a really good footy team and excited about what the future holds here. Yeah, Todd, look, you you know, tip my hats here for the year that you've had and the way that you've uh, gone about your business up there in North Queensland. Mate, some shining lights for you. I know uh, Jeremiah uh, Nanai in the back row, top try scorer, you know, Jason Tomorello turning his game around. Anyone else? Well, I look across the park. I don't think we had many poor contributors. Tommy did and um, went from the NRL scrap heat to uh, Origin play within 12 months. Um Jordan McLean was back in the Origin Arena and being picked in the Australian team. Reese Robinson's career best form. Scotty Drinkwater is a good story. Sal Holmes in the centres. I'll go across the team and speak positively about most of the lads. Peter Iku is another great story for us. Mm. Chad Downs is another great story for us. Mm. Yeah, Todd, um, I guess the, no secret to you that at the start of the season, a lot of people you know, did, did write you guys off. A disappointing season in 2021. Just from your point of view, what realistically were your expectations going into this year looking at the playing group that you had the season you had in 2021 were you confident that you know the boys could finish in a preliminary final spot or was that a bit of a surprise to you as well um at the start of the year if you had told me we were playing a preliminary i would have thought it was a bit of a fast stretch but you know within about 10 rounds i knew we had a really good team uh, i knew during the pre-season that we're a different looking team and um, we worked really hard. We had an abundance of talent. We just had to stay healthy and take our opportunities and improve, and that's what we've done. Todd, what was a what was a turning point for you when you you said like after ten rounds you knew you were in with a shot? But what what was the turning point? Was there a moment in time where you looked at your team and went, "Yep, I've got a good team under me under me here." Um, well, been trying to sell a message for a long time about playing the game the right way and. Um, there's no shortcuts in trying to win matches. You've got to play the fight physically. Um, you've got to control the ball. You've got to be good with your discipline and not let the opposition out of their own ends with cheap penalties. And you've got to be able to defend your line. There's a couple of games at the early parts of the year where we did that. And, you know, if I look at the round three against the Broncos down in Brisbane, um, we beat Canberra away from being 12 0 down down in Canberra, 118-12, and then we won a game in Darwin against Parramatta where we were on the back foot. Um, and that was, you know, 
by, by the time the magic round come around in round 10, we just found out how to win and our message becomes self-fulfilling and the belief has started to grow and, um, you know, we played some really, really good footy. We found different ways to win. We went on the back foot, we went on the front foot. Uh, we come from behind a couple of times and scored tries quickly. So we knew we had a footy team. Yeah, you certainly never looked like it. you were out of any games, and even when you were, you still come back from the impossible to win them. Did you think that game against Parramatta, a couple of calls went against you, um, but you still had time there to get the game back. Did you still have confidence that your boys might be able to steal it in the end? Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. Um, well, we were 20 to 12 up with, what, 20, 25 to go. That's a winning position, and we just you know, made a couple of errors out of our own end. What we have done in the past is been able to defend our line and we've had two tries that should have been stopped. Um, so that's the difference. Um, a couple of decisions with the ball and without the ball. And, um, you know, we had some things out against us, different parts of the game, but um, that forward pass happened early enough where we could get over it and we got over it and we're at 2012 up. Like I said, we just, we just weren't good enough when it mattered. All right, there we go. Mm. Just going back to um, 2021, Todd, what for you personally did you, I guess, learn from that season? Because um, clearly, you know, a, a lot of things did change heading into this year. You don't go from 15th to, to second without a few things changing. But just for you personally, what, what did 2021 sort of teach you? Um, I mean, never as close to a winner as a loss you think you are. Um, a halfway point was 6-6, six and six, going pretty well. And when we lost 10 in a row, we only won one more game after that. So uh, we had a few things work against us. Our, our captain retired after two rounds. Um, Justin O'Neill retired mid-season. We moved a couple of players on that weren't the right fit for us or the direction that we wanted to go. And um, they were experienced guys and they had a couple of injuries. So we had to rely on some kids that just you know weren't quite ready for that experience. And we were chartering in and out of um, away games where the rest of the the competition were down in Brisbane and, and the Gold Coast. And it was a tough experience and we got to get some footy and some kids that were probably before a time, like I said, but it's in good stead moving forward. And the thing that I'm most proud of, while we got our bum smacked in a couple of games, we never turned it up like a couple of teams did at the back end of this year. And um, we turned up training in this pre-season. They, they just had a desire to get better and uh, we enjoyed training hard and winning games. Yeah, one thing that I guess a lot of people probably have noticed about um, the Cowboys this year, Todd, is, is the guys that you've got there, it's a real character, you know, you're, you're, even some of these boys that played Origin and, and you know, Reuben Cotter and Tommy Dead, and there's just a lot of, I guess, heart and determination. How much, I guess, importance for you as a coach do you put on when you're, say, recruiting players or thinking about pulling them into first grade? How important, uh, how much importance do you put on, you know, character uh, over just, you know, playing ability and talent? I think it's almost everything because our recruitment guys, they're always going to throw talented kids in my direction. Um, but, you know, character is going to put you in the competition, talent will win your games. And if you've got both of those, anything's possible. And if you've only got talent, um, you're going to win some games and they're going to let you down eventually. And um, that's what we've, you know, built our squad on. Those guys that you mentioned, Reuben Cotter, um, Tom Bearden, they've come, well, they're from North Queensland. They come through our pathway system. So playing for our club means something. Um, they've had some challenges along the way and it's held in good stead to when you know, they hit first grade now. And you can build footy clubs around those five of guys. Mm. 
I think halfway through this season, Todd, everyone started to look up at your side and across the board you had plenty of experience and like you talk about you had a bunch of good kids come through some state of origin under their belts and Reuben Cotter and the likes but Griffin Neem, a young West Coast boy comes out of rural New Zealand how good has he been for you? Mate, he's been terrific mate, he's had a tough couple of years, you know, during this pandemic period, he's a young kid, he's hadn't been able to see his family for a good two year stretch um, given him a couple of opportunities to go home, back to Greymouth and catch up when he when he when we've had an extended period off. Um, you know, he's included in the extended New Zealand Kiwi squad. Um, he's worked really hard. You know, and he loves Townsville. He's been in our pathway system now for a couple of years, and you know, we've just signed him on for a couple more years. We believe he's going to be a ten-year player for our club and he's going to be future international. So, terrific kid from great family. And, you know, he's a big, fit, mobile, skillful fellow who can find the trial line, and that's, that's a good combination to have. We got a couple of um, questions and off, off social media. Todd, we, are, we told people we were coming on, asked for a few questions from listeners. One of them, in, or actually a couple in here, asking the same question. How, uh, what's the distance of the hill that you got your players running up in pre-season? Oh, people people yeah. want to know so they can give it a crack. Yeah, it's three, three Ks from bottom to top. Um, it's only an elevation of 350 metres. Um, the tough parts, the conditions that we run it in. Uh, it's summer, it's 33 degrees, it's humid, um, and the fact that they didn't expect it to happen, you know, and that was probably the mental challenge more than anything. And um, threw it over three times, and um, they nailed it the first time. Half the squad capitulated the second time, just, you know. Thanks for that, Johnny Mack. Welcome back into Running It Straight. We've got Cowboys head coach Todd Payton uh, on the line joining us. The Dallium Awards tonight, and he's up for Coach of the Year. We're going to talk to him about that very, very shortly. But back to some of the questions from the listeners. And one's come in here from James. Boys, I'd love to know what um, Todd Payton does to take his mind off rugby league. We know, obviously, the players um, have all sorts of things to take their mind away from the game. Todd, what do you do to just uh, detox and get yourself out of the game? Um, This year, I've played a bit of golf. Um, the, luxe, the beauty about being in town is it's a small town, so I can be on the golf course, we can play nine holes, and I, if I'm on the golf course, golf course at 7am, I'll be in the office by 9.30. So um, try and do that once a fortnight. Um, other than that, I've got three kids, just chase them around most afternoons. Um, and the other one's beer, have a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah, beauty. <laughs> yeah, mate, share one, share one with you next time you're down here in New Zealand. Uh, this is the, the the question on most of the Kiwis lips, obviously, and I know it's a tough one to answer, Todd, but people are wondering what, what it was that you didn't see in the Warriors and that you chose the Cowboys over the Warriors. So it was never a football thing. It was just as a personal thing. Um, during that pandemic period, you, you kind of worked out what was important to you and you know, coincidentally my father-in-law he went through, you know, a cancer battle, um, my wife wanted to be closer to him and yeah, it was purely around that at no stage did I have the Cowboys job and uh, we were coming home to Australia to find a job if I didn't get it, so um, through that period I had a few sleepless nights um yeah, but I love the club. I love the Warriors. They were great for myself and the family. Had some great kids. We had a really good time there on the Central Coast. And 
if I look at them next year, they're getting a really good coach in Andrew Webster. I know it personally. He's really switched on. And he loves Auckland and he loves the town as well. And getting a stronger squad. So um, I'd be optimistic. Yeah, no, I, I think everyone can understand your reasons, Todd. We're all just a, we're just a little bit gutted that you weren't here with us and we weren't sitting in second place this year, but we'll, uh, we'll, live, we'll let that one live. Um, just before we let you go, mate, you've, I know it's probably a hard one given that you're not there, but you have experienced it a lot closer than the rest of us, all these sides throughout the NRL. Who do you reckon's got it on Sunday, Penny or, or Parramatta? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really given it a lot of thought. Um, Penrith have been the best team for the last couple of years, but you know, Parramatta beat them twice, so... Paramount will go in there holding no fears. Um, but I would just say across the path, I think Penrith have got a better squad, but that doesn't mean you always get over the line. So I'll be just leaning towards Penrith if anyone. Mate, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Just before you go, you got a big night tonight, obviously up for Coach of the Year. I reckon you've got a couple of other players too. Uh, Valentine's got to go close for centre and, and Nanai obviously is a shoo-in for the back row. Um, you're looking forward to tonight? Yeah, I am. I think it's a great reward for our club. Um, we had 10 guys in the origin at different periods or different moments. You know, we had six play, five debutants, and we've got nine players coming down for different awards or nominated for different awards plus myself. So just to spend a bit of time with them and their partners, you know, in a relaxed environment, um, I'd much rather be down for a game, but... Um, this is, this is, I'll take this tonight. Yeah, mate. Well, I just want to say you've had a fantastic year. Honestly, I've loved watching the way you guys have played football this year and especially that you, the way that uh, you've portrayed what it really means to be a cowboy. Um, inspiring, Todd. And thanks a lot for coming on tonight, uh, today. And also, best of luck tonight, brother. I hope you pick up that Daily M Coach of the Year award. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers, guys. There you go, uh, Todd Payton there, um, Queens, uh, North Queensland Cowboys head coach, and uh, I, as I said all throughout that and before Kempe, um probably a shoo-in, you'd say for coach of the year tonight. Yeah, he'd, and, and should he'd be. Have, you know? He'd have to be. Um, you know, one game away from the grand final. I know Brad Arthur. The, it's a, it's unfortunate that the uh, the Daily M's are picked before the grand final because I think if Brad Arthur wins the grand final, then he should really get it. Um, but yeah, I think the decision's been made and I'll be very surprised if Todd Payton doesn't pick it up. I just think you go from second to 15. I mean, the Eels have always had the sort of talent there, but it's what Todd Payton's unlocked. And he mentioned some names in there like Tommy Dearden, who was, Dearden, who was basically cast away. It's all of a sudden turns into an origin player. Obviously uncovered Ruben Cotter, Jeremiah Nanai, even you know someone like Val Holmes, who's always been a quality player. But since coming back from the NFL, hasn't really sparked up the NRL like he used to. But this year, he's sort of back. And then we talk about Jason Tomalolo. I, I just think you look across the board and what he has done, I think it is deserving more than anyone of, of, of a coach of the year. Oh, Val, Val even, even if they had just made the top eight, Kimpy. Yeah, you know? Val, Val Holmes has come back a way better player. Mm. You know, um, Jared Haynes didn't come back like that after he went to the NFL. And Val Holmes has been outstanding and probably picks up centre of the year at mm-hmm. the at the uh, Daily M's tonight. So uh, Joey Manu, you know, does he get that spot too? Because I think Joey Manu's the best player in the competition. Yep. Um, but Todd Payton's got to be happy because when you know the question I raised was at the middle of the season, people started to go. Actually, you've got quite a decent team. You know, Chad Townsend is a very, very good halfback. It did and just stepped out like Ruben Cotter did. Um, and Jason Tomalolo started carrying the football for you know x amount of meters and for periods of the game that sort of turned games around. And 
I just think that um, being able to go up there and do what he's done in the last two years, you're probably right, is the reason why he would pick it up tonight, the Daily M Coach of the Year award. What we'll do, we'll take a short break, Kempe. Um, I do want to talk Dally M's with you, but we haven't even talked about that Eels-Cowboys game. I might just brush over that quickly with you after the break, and then we'll go through our Dally M Awards for this evening. Between three and four, we're going to talk uh, the grand final. We're going to talk Pan- uh, Panthers v Eels. We've got Joey Johns coming on to preview that as well. Um, we're hoping that we can get to Nathan Kalis too, but we're going to talk all things grand final between three and four. We'll take a break first. We'll come back with some Dally M Award predictions. You can get involved on double eight double three, the Tampa Bay Post text machine, or you can give us a call 0800 150 I'm going to get Kempe's Dally M Award predictions very shortly, but we didn't get a chance to talk about um, that Eels-Cowboys game on Saturday night. Kempe, um, I tipped the Eels, you if did. you remember, last you week. I was laughed at. I was spat at. <laughs> okay, I was thrown out onto the street. And but, somehow but... you got to the ref. <laughs> And somehow <laughs> you got to the ref. To be fair, though, Kempe, I did say that on the Wednesday. I was flip-flopping all week, and by the time Saturday came around, I thought, nah, the Cowboys are going to do this. And when we, when I saw them run out, and we were talking about it over text, you know, the Cowboys, it was hot, it was humid, the Eels guys just looked like it was sucking it out. They, they, they looked and, tired in the warm-up. And, and, and the first half, Kempe, like, I they was struggled. so surprised they were even in that game. So, I mean, it is a big credit to them that they stuck with the Cowboys for 80 minutes. But, you know, re- even the stats, you know, they, they 61% in the first half completion for the Eels. 61%. I mean, they had no right, really, to there win that game. There are games, Sam, there are games that go like that where you just lose every stat in the book and yep. And it goes your way. You know what I mean? Like, people people want to argue about the first try. Moses down that right edge where he's throwing it 14 feet forward. <laughs> but then you go to the replay, and it's borderline, mate. It's, I know. It was weird. Know, it looked really... Instantaneously, you thought, no, nah, that's a mile forward. That's a forward, mile but... forward. And then, and then you look at it and you go, well, actually, no, that's a 50-50 core, and, yeah. and they've got it. And yeah. the thing with it, and Todd Payne touched on it, is that... it. At the eight at the eight point lead with twenty minutes to go, they should have shut it out. Yeah, you know if you look at the stats, you know they they've had more sets than them. They've had thirty six of forty three, where Parra's only had twenty seven of thirty six offloads. They've smashed them, Parramatta. You know what I mean? So they've actually had a crack, even though they've thrown all the errors and they've still had a crack in the offloads. But when you go down to miss tackles, they've they had a they've had an absolute nightmare. They've missed way more tackles, Parramatta. They've um, Basically created twice as many more errors. They've conceded more penalties, yet they've won the football game. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like when you get down to the finals, and this is where people will say, once you make the semis, then you're a dead set chance. And Parramatta, they hung on, they got that one. I I don't think it was the pass from Mitchell Moses that that got them the game. I think it was the one from Lane to Sevo. Yeah. That got him the win. Because yeah. Lane threw that. He threw that. That was a we're going to go to the grand final pass that pass and it got everybody it got the supporters it got the viewers it nearly got Sevo mm. landed in his bread basket it got everyone in the Cowboys so they had no idea he was going to throw it we even talked about offloads last week the Eels game the week before um, against the Raiders we talked about how offloads really killed them so um, yeah I, I, they had no right to win that game they did and someone said earlier today I might have been on Smithy's show that he, that he reckons the Eels have the weapons to beat Penrith I'm not convinced I think I'm not going to say they played their grand final against the Cowboys but I think that was a perfect matchup for them I'm not sure Penrith's a perfect matchup for them well, well the, you know turning point again is Cleary's kicking game isn't it yeah you know, against well, South Sydney, he puts, Moses, the, he wasn't puts it? the bomb up. 
Unfortunately, um, Tane Moon can't take it and knocks the ball on. Same same thing. And, and then goes against Blake, off. You know, what, what sort of week is he having at the moment going, come on, fellas, you need to get to Clary so that I can have an actual chance of catching these balls. So um, there's going to be big moments in the game, and that's what's really going to win it for either Penrith or Parramatta and players in those big moments. You know, Dylan Brown can't have a game like he had against Penrith last time. Mm. He cannot sit back on his heels and expect Mitchell Moses to go out there and win the game for them. They all have to stand up. And that's the difference between Penrith and everyone else at the moment. When they do have a player that isn't stepping up, the others step up. Yeah. So it's not waiting for someone. It's not waiting for Nathan Cleary. It's not waiting for Kikau. It's not waiting for Dylan Edwards. Carousel comes off the bench after 25 minutes. They're putting in a, a concerted effort across the minute, across the field um, from 1 to 13, 1 to 17. So power have to at least match them in that, and then they're possibly a chance. Player of the game in the uh, Eels-Cowboys game? Oh. I thought Shaw Lane was fantastic. Yeah. Megan Campbell-Gillard was, was great. I thought Dylan Brown was the best on the pitch. You know, I thought after his game against Penrith, he, he really needed to step up. And I thought he was outstanding. You know, every time I look at that kid, I'm just, I'm thinking, where can he actually go to? You know, where can Dylan Brown actually go to? Because you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Laurie Daly. Okay. And Laurie Daly was playing 5'8". Mm-hmm. You know, he, when he catches, catches the ball and he takes off, see, what Loz used to do really well was he was really quick off the mark. And he used to catch blokes out just flat-footed, and Dylan, Dylan does that quite often. So he needs to bring a running game against Penrith on the weekend. He needs to outplay Luai, um, and he needs to make sure that he's backing up Mitchell Moses because Mitchell Moses knows how big a game he needs in these moments uh, against Penrith on the weekend to make him pay. Right, I wanted to uh, go through our Daly in predictions, uh, Kempi, but we're running out of time now. We're going to have to take a break, so we might have to do our predictions after 3 o'clock. For people that are listening in and you want to have a go at yours, um, you can text her on double eight double three. so we'll ask you for the best fullback of the year, uh, the two best wingers, the two best centres, the best five eight, the best halfback, the best lock, the best second rowers, two of them, the best props, two of them, and the best hooker. I'll tell you, last year, Penrith had seven um, of that team of the year, seven of the 13. Um, we'll then probably ask you for... Um, the coach of the year, the captain of the year, the rookie of the year, and then, of course, the uh, Dally M overall award. So we're going to do that uh, maybe after 3 o'clock, but you can text in what you reckon on double eight double three, the Timber Bed Post text machine, and we'll uh, we'll go through those after 3. You're listening to Running It Straight here on SCNZ, thanks to Galt, fueling your mission all year round. We'll come back right after this. Yeah, we're our big grand final preview show. We've got the Dally M awards tonight. I think it starts at around about 9pm, 9.30 New Zealand time. It does go for a couple of hours. Um... I don't, they're not splitting it over two nights like they did last year, are they? Are they just doing it all in one go tonight? I think they are. Last year they did it over two nights. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Jeez, and drag it, drag it, drag well, we it out. Two grand nights, Kempe, you're grumpy as it is, waking <laughs> up early in the morning. Um, Cut it out. So we're going to pick the team after three o'clock. Oh, sorry, our team of the year. We'll go through some of the other awards. Just to clarify, though, we talked about it in the break. So there'll be a few guys like Nico Hines who played seven for the Sharks, but you're happy to put him as a six or a seven? Well, they are. That's basically the spine. That's where you play them. You, it doesn't matter whether you put, put a seven or a six on the jersey because they're playing left or right. Will they do that, though, when the they pick the awards field. tonight? Or will they be strict about a six and a seven and a... No, I'll just say, I think they'll say that these are the best halves. Okay. Yeah, and then just... And then just put them in, that, yeah, in those spots. Okay. Yeah. And that probably applies to the uh, back rowers as well. 100%. Yeah, okay. Because you get the same with Cam Murray and uh, whether or not he goes in the back row with his eye yell or sits there with uh, Jeremiah... Jeremiah and I. So we'll do our Dallium Awards after three o'clock. Then we're then going to really uh, rip into the 
grand final between the Panthers and the Eels. We do have Joey Johns, the legend himself, Andrew Johns, coming on the show to give his thoughts. We'll go through some of your texts as well. You can give us a call 0800 150811. We'll get some news first with Johnny Mack. We'll come back after three. Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Your home for everything rugby league. This is Running It Straight with Tony Kemp and Sam Hewitt on SENZ. Welcome back into Running It Straight here on SENZ. Big grand final preview show as we build towards that on Sunday between the Penrith Panthers and the Parramatta Eels. Um, we talked to Todd Hayden in that first hour between uh, two and three. If you missed that, go find it on the podcast channel, Running It Straight. Um, we're going to try and get to Nathan Kalis, uh, the former Kiwis captain and the uh, former Parramatta man. Uh, I've just got a message saying that he's, uh, he's up in the mountains snowboarding, Kimby. So nice. he, might be, he might be about to catch the chairlift. Stop uh, snowboarding. <laughs> he's from Waitere, you know that. He's is from he? my hometown. Is he? Yeah. From your hometown. So he's probably boy. a good surfer boy too. Uh, well, yeah, they moved over pretty young, but their mums their mums are uh, Waitere wahine, and um, they've actually been back there and, and been onto the marae and, and um, done the done the uh, the whanau's, um stuff down there and, and everybody knows mate that uh, Nathan Kalis and his brother Jason both come out of uh, that small town in Taranaki another couple of champions did Jason win with the St Helens no did he win with Parramatta he went with he went 03 no he went to he, Sydney City or was he with he was he's, he's won he's won a title I think he ran uh, I'm not too sure whether Jason won that one at uh no, no, that, well, Paramount haven't won a title for 36 years. Nah, so but I, sure, I think, I think, I'm just going to quickly get it up here. Um, looking at the But he squad. did go to Sydney City. Yeah, no, he was with... He, he was, was with, with Moz. He was with, um, he was in that grand final, sorry, in 03. Yeah, that that's right. against Penrith. Um, but, uh, yeah, Nathan Callis himself played uh, well, close to 260 games for the, for the Parramatta Eels um, and, of course, was the captain of the Kiwis uh, back in 08 when uh, they won the World Cup. So we might ask him about the World Cup as well, Kempe. Um We've just got Neeps getting him up on the line, wow. up, on the, uh, up on the mountains. So uh, we'll keep trying and uh, we'll see if we can get through to him through the, uh, the snow reception. But let's go through, um, well, let's start the Dally M Awards, Kempe. Um So we've got a couple of texts in here giving their predictions for this evening. Uh, let's start with uh, the fullback, shall we? Who, who's your fullback for Well, Dylan Edwards for me. You know, and I'm leaving out some great players. You've got Trebojevic, Tedesco, Mitchell. Um, but I think this year, you know, it's all about the most consistent fullback in the competition. Uh, those, other, those other three that I just named haven't been as consistent, I don't think, as Dylan Edwards. You know, he's no. probably the most unluckiest player not to play original for Australia. Yep, that's been, that's been talked about this week. And it's just because he's not... Um, he, he's consistent in his run meters. He's consistent in his um, tackle breaks. He's consistent in his defense. But he's just not a superstar like a Tedesco or a Mitchell that sort of flaunts it, you know. So he's a bit sort of underrated, but um, quietly probably was a better player this year. Yeah, and I, and I think he's shortlisted for the for the Daily M Award. Oh, for the overall award, yeah, I th- correct. I yeah. think so. So uh, you can win both, can you? You can win if you, or yeah, no. Well, it comes out of that group. Yeah, okay. So, so well, you can't. You can't be Daily 
he can't be Daily M Award winner and not be in the top team. Well, no, I just thought maybe that's how they do it. Like if you win the Daily M, you're separate from the team of the year. But no, nah, that makes sense for them to both be in there. So uh, wingers, your two wingers? Uh, look, I, I like Alex Johnson, um, but I also like what Cobo did this year. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a decent player. I know halfway through the year he was going all right. So I've got Cobo on one wing. I've got Swiley on the other. Yeah, that's two. They're two great choices. I'm not and sure. And I know that Cobo's probably going to play on the Australian side on the wing, yeah, alongside Latrell Mitchell. I don't. It's not, I'm not, not that I'm against Cobo. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else. But no one really comes to mind. I mean, Johnson, obviously, top try scorer with 30, but um, he's a finisher, isn't he? Johnson, whereas some of those other guys offer a little bit more. Too. Uh, you Cobo played Australian 13 this week, this weekend, just gone too. Yeah, you could probably put Tupo in and around the mix as well. Like for tonight, he might be in and around the, the winger of the year because he had another good season for the Roosters. Um, what about the centres? Well, Joey Manu's um, my top pick centre along with Val Holmes. I think Val Holmes has had an outstanding season uh, in the centres there. You know, Talakai, when he came on out of the back row for Cronulla, he held some points, uh, played some pretty good games, but I think the two best centres and the best player in the world is Joey Manu and Val Holmes. Uh, the 5'8 and halfbacks? Uh, Dylan Brown for me. I'm going Dylan Brown. Again, you know, Nico Hines and Cam Munster, two players that I've left out. And I've gone Ben Hunt as halfback. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's fair, uh, given the yeah. season he's had for the Dragons. and He's one of those guys that's playing in a in a losing side, but always standing out. So um, I think you'd probably bang on the money there. Um, oh, I think he's shortlisted tonight too for, for the top the top gong. The top gong. All right, let's quickly rip through the rest. Um, best lock? Uh, Yell. Yep, that's, he'll be backing up from last year. Um, the two second rowers? I've gone Cam Murray, the other, he played lock and back row, and, and Jeremiah Nanai, top forward try yeah, scorer this year. Nanai's got to be in there. And then, oh, lock uh, of the year. Yep, and the props? I've gone, of course, our boys, Joe Tarp and Fisher-Harris. Good man, and uh, the hooker? Uh, look, I'd like to think Reid Mahoney um, should get a vote, but I don't, I don't think anyone gets past Harry Grant. I think he's been the best hooker all year. Right, so there's Kempe's team. We'll run through it again uh, in just a little moment, and we'll also go through the other Dallium Awards. But um, I think we've got um, Nathan Kalis on the line now, former Kiwis captain, won in 2008, the Rugby League World Cup, and, of course, uh, a long-time Parramatta man, uh, 259-odd games. And I think he's joining us now live from the mountains on the snowboard. G'day, Nathan. Yeah, hey, how are you? How's it going? <laughs> Very well, mate. How's the powder? Oh, it's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> just sort of half up the mountains. So I just stopped for a quick feed and checked my text and thought I'd jump online with you guys and see how things are going. <laughs> hey, Nathan, what's it like, mate? You know, Parramatta um, in the grand final. Again, I know they've been there before, but with a chance of winning the la- um, in 36 years, the feeling at Parramatta must be enormous. Oh, mate, it's awesome. The Golden West is buzzing. You know, we've got Penrith in the grand final against the Eels, and uh, everyone's very excited. You know, this team, they've proven they can beat Penrith. They've beaten them twice, and, you know, with the style of footy that they play, the Eels, uh, they've certainly troubled troubled them a lot. And I think the, the first semi final was, uh, you know, the Eels were in front, and then Mitchell Moses, unfortunately, had to go off the field. So, a um, bit of a different result there. You know, who knows? But every, everyone's certainly excited. Uh, they've played such good footy all year, and to be honest, you know, the Eels and Brad Arthur, all the players there, they've been building for this for the last sort of three or four years, you know. They've been consistently improving, and that's that's what's been great to see. Yeah, coaching against them, Nath, what, what have you liked about Parramatta this year? You know, they've, they've been a bit hot and cold, but, you know, they've got the job done and they're playing in the GF this weekend. What what do you think has been sort of their main their main go this year? Oh, Kempi, you know what it's like. Rugby league's a tough game. When the Eels play physical, they get off the back fence and run as hard as they can and look for their offloads. The forwards tip on. They've got 
Now they've got everything within their forward pack, and then off the back of that, they've got Mitchell Moses with his kicking game. They're just ruthless with their their physicality, their brutality, how they carry the ball, and then Moses just kicks them into a corner. So that's their game. Uh, like I said, they've proven they can beat Penrith playing that style of footy, but that's what I've been most impressed about. You know, like I said before, Kempi, you know what it's like. Footy is a is a tough game, and you got to you got to win your battle over your opposition player, and the, the Eels have certainly done that consistently this year. Nathan, your, your team went to the grand final in 2009, so you know what it's like. The, the Penrith boys who have been there, who are going to have been there three years in a row, what, what do you think Parramatta's got to be careful of? You know, coming into a grand final for pretty much all of them, it'll be foreign territory for them. Yeah, look, the, the start's really important. Um, just from experience there, we sort of uh, let both of our starts go in the grand finals that we were in. Now, the week is obviously very different with a, a few different... Uh, um, things that you have to do as a club with the fans and uh, the breakfast and things like that. Dally M's tonight, so there's a fair few distractions, but as long as uh, the boys are focused and I suppose Penrith have been there and done it for the last few years, whereas uh, the boys at the Eels, you know, it's a bit new for them, but I'm sure you know, Brad Arthur, he's been in and around grand finals for a long time. He coached well at Manly. He was assistant coach uh, there at Manly, sorry, when they went to the grand final in 2013. He was there in Melbourne when they played in the couple of grand finals. So he knows what it takes, mate, and I'm sure he'll have them ready to go. Hey, Nathan, you've played with a, a couple of good Kiwi 5'8", Dylan Brown. He's been something special, isn't he, for Parramatta? Oh, he's such a good player. He's very tough. And the, be- the best thing I like about Dylan, he's so calm. Uh, I was fortunate to be able to coach Dylan in the lower grades coming through the Eels. And I remember a training one day, he, um, he actually didn't turn up on time. Uh, and I called him. I said, mate, what's going on? Where are you? He'd locked his keys in his car, but he wasn't panicking at all. And that's the big thing about Dylan is he's very, very calm, uh, and I know he's going to excel in the big night on Sunday. Because of that, you know, he's got all the skill. He's got, he's got everything about him. He's, he's tough. He's got great footwork, you know, that great left foot, right foot step. Um, he's got everything. Kicking game's great. And I know he's going to be nice and calm there as well. And I'm sure he'll be on that plane um, looking forward to the World Cup once he gets his job done with the Eels. You would have, uh, like everyone, um, Nathan watched Penrith throughout the year and uh, I guess the hardest question for everyone is how do you break that team down? Um, the Eels have done it twice this year, but what do you reckon is going to be um, their biggest weapon on Sunday? What, what have Parramatta really got to shut down if they want any chance of winning? Just the ruthless nature of Penrith, the way they go about their business. Nothing praises them, you know, Classic example last week, they were 12-0 down against South and looked like they were in big, big trouble. But they just stuck to their game, got back to 12 all at half-time and then really went on with it in the second half. They're a team that really believe in their game, they believe in themselves, they believe in each other, um, and that sort of goes a long way. So for Parramatta, it's, it's really disrupting that. And the way they do that is the way they've been doing it. They've, they've been moving the ball, passing the ball, offloading the ball, off the back of power running. Um, that's what breaks up a team that's got a really structured and systemised defence as, as Penrith do, you know. So something different and really, really shake up their defensive line. Hey, before we ask you for your predictions, you're, you're excited about this Kiwi team going up to the World Cup. Nathan, you know, in 2008, you led the first Kiwi team to its World Cup, mate. It's one of the best nights I've ever had. Um, but the side that the side that's going up there this year, you must be pretty excited about the, the team when it's been put together. Very excited. I was listening earlier. You were going through the team for the Dalians, and there were certainly a lot of Kiwi boys that you mentioned. A lot of names there. Um, and you think about it, you know, Madge has been in charge since 2018, and I think 
for at least two or three of those years, they've been number one in the world. I know there hasn't been a lot of test matches, but every time they've had to play a test match, they've been really competitive, if not they've been too strong for their opposition teams that they've played against. So they're consistent. They know their game. Uh, a lot of the players that are playing in the Kiwi team are very, very experienced and senior players. Um, they're very seasoned. I know you were talking about Joey Mann, who before being the best player in the world at the moment. Now he's certainly going to lead them. And when he plays at fullback, he's very special to watch. So, look, it's really exciting for the Kiwis. I think they've certainly, you know, they've certainly got the team that can win it. And I know Matt is a, is a great coach and he's going to do everything he can to make sure they get over the line. So, really pumped to watch the World Cup after the Eels get up this Sunday night. <laughs> there you go, Kim. There's, well, there's, there's, there's my question. I was being questioned was any if they're going to get up, but um, mate, the um, obviously the prediction with the Eels. We'll get you back on, Nath, once the World Cup starts as well. Uh, hopefully, the boys can get a run on and and get into those final games, the ones that really count, as they did in 2008. But thanks a lot for joining us on Running It Straight this afternoon. Go well, mate. Go carve up some of that powder and don't get hurt. We don't want a helicopter coming up there to lift you off because I'll have to bring I'll have to bring a mighty big carrier. No, no, all good. We're back on the way up there now. I just had to jump on the lift. So uh, thank you. Enjoy the game on the weekend. And thanks for having me on, guys. Beauty. There you go. Uh, Nathan Kalis joining us there off the mountain, fresh off the mountain. I love that. Keeping his awesome, on the really. chairlift too. So he's <laughs> ready, to, ready to carve up. And look, um, a lot of the a lot of the messages out of, out of Parramatta, you can understand, is that there is a big sense of belief. They're not, I wouldn't say they're as heavier underdogs as we've seen in the past. You know, I think that even though I think Penrith are going to do it, and I think that they could do it, well, relatively comfortably. I still think that the Eels are, are of course, they're a shout. Of course they're a shout. They play well. They play to their best. They're a shout, Kempe, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and I think if there was anyone that um, had them a little bit worried or a little little bit sweaty under the collar, it would be Parramatta because I've done them twice already this year. You know, yeah, there's no they've got fluke. a mental advantage, for so sure. So they know, you know, and from Parramatta's perspective, of course they think, well, you know, we've got them a couple of times already this year. They're two, it's 2-1 two, to us, but this is the one that counts. And what they... You know, that question that you just asked is a really good one. The weekly lean into grand final is really different. You know, you've got the Daily M, you've got TV commitments, you've got the big breakfast, the big lunch that they have, and all of a sudden the grand final's upon you and you're playing it late on a Sunday Sunday night. And Penrith have been there three times, so they know how to get through their week, mm. and that's a massive advantage. I so bet, yeah. Ho- even, even hopefully just they a, don't use a lot of energy, Parramatta, over the week. Even, yeah, even just those little things, as Nathan said, the breakfasts, the sponsor opportunities, it's the sort of the glitz and glamour of it, isn't it, that can, that can probably fatigue you as well as a player. So many things to think about emotionally. I mean, we all know what we're like when the adrenaline's high. I mean, you probably know as a radio host now, Kempe, when your adrenaline's sort of up high after a show, you can just be, you know, you can be totally exhausted. And I imagine for a lot of these guys, you know, it's going to functions, it's talking about the game constantly, it's doing radio interviews that, like, by the time Sunday comes around, you've used a lot of your emotional sort of capacity. Your, your mental energy, that's right, that, that ties you out physically, which you which you don't really, you know, they can't, have, there's no monitor on your back like a, you know, they've got those little <laughs> yeah, monitors yeah. on your back telling you how far you're travelling. Well, they haven't got a mental monitor on you saying how much mental energy you've used, and mm. that's the problem that Parramatta faced this weekend, because they could fatigue themselves just by um, getting too involved in the week, and the week taking over on them. So I hope they don't do that. What Nathan talked about, in 2001, Parramatta, when they hit the final series, they were on fire. Yep, and they everyone had picked them to win it. Because the Knights? And the Knights come out. That's and right. Ben Kennedy and Joey Johns lifted the tempo into a speed where they couldn't keep up with it, and they'd done them in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that's you right. Know? And that's what Nathan said. they got to start well, and that's dead right. If they start well against Penrith, they hang in there. I think they're a chance. That's it. I think Parramatta are a chance. 
Great to catch up with Nathan Kalis here. We are going to catch up with Joey Johns actually just after 3.30. That's going to be fantastic. We got Kempe's Dallium Team of the Year. I'm going to run through that again after the break. We're also going to get um, his predictions for some of the other awards, Coach of the Year, uh, the overall Dallium, Rookie of the Year, and maybe a standout player as well. So we'll take a short break. We'll be back after this. Yes, uh, we are talking... The grand final, we're talking the Dallium Awards this evening as well. I got Kempe to give out his Dallium Team of the Year at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. I'll get you to just run through that again quickly for us, Kempe. Uh, Dylan Edwards, fullback. Joe, uh, Joe Swally and uh, Alex Cobbo on the wings. Joey Manu, Val Holmes in the centres. Dylan Brown, Ben Hunt in the halves. Joe Tarpin, Officer Harris, front row. Jeremiah Nunai and Cam Murray in the back row. Isaiah Yelp, um, lock forward. And I've got Harry Grant down as hooker. Very strong team. There you go. That's Kempe's uh, Dallium Team of the Year. Let's talk through the other awards that are going to get handed out this evening. Kempe, let's start with the Breakout Player of the Year. Oh, Jeremiah Nanai. 100%. Top top try scorer in the forwards. Uh, top four try scorer in the NRL. I think with uh, Joseph Sawali, they, uh, he also picks up the Rookie of the Year. So Sawali, Rookie. Oh what, no! What? I think I think Jeremiah Nunai gets it, but I think the breakout the, the breakout player on on top of that is Joseph Swali at, right, yeah, at Sydney City. Well, I don't know what the eligibility is for rookie. Like, is it a minimum amount of games? Like, because Swali played what five games? How many games did he play last year? Oh, he's played too many to be rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so he, so you're going breakout Swali, but rookie Nunai, hundred percent. Nice. That's, those are good picks. Um, let's then go to the captain. Of the year. Well, Nathan Cleary would pick up halfback of the year, without a doubt, but you can't put him in the Daily M's because of his suspension. But yep. he, is, he is the captain of the year. Third grand final, um, New South Wales player. Real interesting to see whether or not he makes Mel Meninga's kangaroo side after Daly Cherry Evans played so well on the weekend for mm. the Prime Minister's 13. Um, but I think just being there, done that, it gets another chance to you know create history by... By winning this weekend, uh, Nathan Cleary has to be the captain of the year for me. Then we go to some of the big ones. We'll start with coach of the year. A couple of big names uh, that are going to be up there. Um, Todd Payton, Brad Arthur. Who else would you would you throw into that mix? Those two? Who else? Oh, Demetrio has to be there okay. for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivan Cleary's the, you know, he gets it every year, Ivan. At the moment, because you know he's he's doing such a good job with Penrith, but I think in the in the context of what you've been able to do with the team, um, given the fact that to where Todd Payton finished last year to where he finished this year, you know Craig Fitzgibbon coming in as a first year coach, taking Cronulla just to, to to a couple of games away from the grand final. You know, if he if he had got through the the, the following week, I think Craig Fitzgibbon gets Todd Payne. Yeah, but I think Todd Payne from what he's what he's done and what he had to do it from uh, where he came from last year. I think he picks up the coach of the year this what, year. Do you reckon? Uh, I'm not privy, obviously, to the ins and outs of the voting, but do you think they would look at that stuff that we just talked about before with with Payton, or do they just look at results? You know, and, and how the team performed just on the park. No, you look. You'd think that they'd want to talk about the mechanic of being a really good coach, you know. Um, Ivan's Ivan's credentials to be NRL Coach of the Year are second to none. He gets it hands down because he's had the same team to work with over the last three years. But what Todd Payne's had to do by bringing players in, creating a different environment, shifting the club out of basically finishing last to, to, to one game off the grand final has been nothing short of outstanding as a young NRL coach. So, mm. um, you know, if I was sitting down with those journalists putting together the, 
the votes on uh, the reasons why you would you would vote Todd Payton over over Ivan Cleary would be because of what he's what he's done with the team over the last twenty four months. You just don't. I'm, I'm sure rugby league fans have got a very smart audience, Kempi, and I'm sure they don't think like this. But you you just can't almost fathom in the NRL how tough that competition is taking a team from 15th to 2nd. I mean, you see teams slowly climb up the table, right? Even the Bulldogs, who wooden spooners, you know, have started to now climb a little bit. Next year, you imagine they'll climb a bit higher. They might be top eight. And then, you know, talking five years down the line, they're sort of in the top four. But to go from 15th to 2nd in the space of 12 months is pretty... I mean, that's probably not been done before or maybe once before, and I don't think it'll happen again. He's, he's nailed it when he said, you you know, when you asked him, what have you learned? He said, well, you you're just a, um, a win away from a, a loss and, a, and, yeah. and, the, and the closeness of the games really, you know, um, own you as a coach type thing. So um, I think you can't take it lightly of what he's actually achieved because you've got to remember he went in and he told the $10 million man and Jason Tomalola, you need to change your your attitude if you want to be a part of this club and put everyone else on notice. So if you're saying that to your marquee player, mm. of course everyone else is starting to take notice. Well, the biggest thing about that is everyone as a player sitting there going, well, if he's telling him to do that, then what is the expectation of me? Yeah. And I think with the way that he hit the preseason, and he said that when we took him to the hill and they weren't expecting it on their very first day of preseason – they all knew that Todd Payton was serious about taking them to, to, to a grand final. And the players, I'd take my hat off to the Cowboys players, they were, you know, all but 20 minutes away from, from getting into a grand final from an impossible position 24 months ago. Right. The big gong. Um, player of the year, the Dallian player of the year. What I want you to do, Kimby, first is give me the three names that you think are in the hunt. No pun intended. I think the three players that are in the in the hunt are Dylan Edwards, Ben Hunt, and I think Jeremiah Nanoi. I think the rookies in the hunt for okay. the for the player of the year. Wow. Um but I think the votes because the votes are split and the way they're split and Penrith have so many players that get the votes through their side, um, I think Ben Hunt's a shown. Do you think that I was going to ask you who you think should get it versus what you think will happen. So who do you think you think Dylan Edwards should I get it? I think Dylan Edwards should get it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, look, I've said that. I think consistently for Penrith, he's been their best player um, all year. But, you know, it's really hard when you're a team of, of Penrith's calibre, you, when you've got players like Nathan Cleary picking up points, Isaiah Yell picking up points, Dylan picking up one point here and there, and then Ben Hunt consistently over the year and for St George is picking up three points. Three points, three points. You know what I mean. So, mm. it's that's just the unfortunate makeup of of the Penrith team. Dylan is going to share it with seventeen other players because you've got to think about their bench. You've got to think about Fisher Harris, Leota, Liniu comes off the bench and has an absolute barnstormer. Then you've got your two back rowers and Kickow. You know, you know the 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 depth of talent throughout there. I'm not even talking about on one wing and May on the other and target. You know, it's just on and on and on. Yeah, so, yeah. but if it was for me, just picking out a dead a dead set um, daily and player of the year, Dylan Edwards gets it hands down. Do you think um, there's a better system for awarding the? Points? Yeah, I don't think journalists should pick it. Is it, well, I think it's former players that are in the media. Isn't that what it is? Like, I know I did have the list up here before think, of all the well, voters. Yeah, I think coaches should pick it. I think current coaches of the NRL should pick it. 
that sounds like Saturday, you know, McDonald's voucher, who does the coach pick as player of the game, picks his son. No, look, I, <laughs> look, I, I think every coach would, if you said to every coach in the NRL, I want you to, I want you to um, s- select your top three players across the competition, yep, I reckon you'd come up with one dead set winner. Yeah, and why couldn't you... Um, as well, if you did it on a game by game basis, why couldn't you get opposition coaches to award a three two one to the opposition? Um, so you would get six players basically per game, but it would even itself out over the course of twenty five games. You would get clear people that are always voted as a three or a two or a one. Type See, thing. the old man of steel in England was always selected by the English coaches, right? So they they come in and they'd actually select their top thirteen and then name the best player of the year. So they, they, every coach would would name one to one to thirteen, mm-hmm. and then every coach would say, "And the number one is the number the one is this, and that's how they pick this, yeah, this interesting. man of steel." Interesting. Um, Delhi M Awards tonight. I think it starts at around about nine nine thirty New Zealand time. Um, so it will be a late one for you if you're keen to stay up and watch it. But it is always fun to watch, and all the players and teams that aren't. Well, are the grand final guys go? They do go along, don't they? If oh, they're they, in the grand again, final again, it's the yeah dependent. If they're not the whole team, not the whole team goes along. No, um, no. But if you're up for it's a, a big wing, but if, if you're up for an award, of course you go along and pick it up. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, tune in this evening. Um, we're going to take a short break for news. We've got Joey Johns waiting in the wings. Um, I'm going to let I'm going to let Kempy take a hold of that one since it's his good mate. So um, Joey Johns, we're going to catch up with him right after news. Well, how lucky are we today? I'm running it straight, joined by one of the immortals, Andrew Johns. A Newcastle old boy kangaroo, obviously played a number of state of origins and got a couple of grand final rings. He's on the line with us now. G'day, Joey. How are you enjoying the finals, mate? Oh, mate, the finals has been as good as I've seen in years. So it's been sensational, some of the games. You know, there's been a bit of class difference in some, but some games have been absolutely sensational. And, and what a grand final. The NRL dream, these two. Mate, I said to uh, the boys in the first week of the finals, the top eight, when they got the draw, they couldn't have wished for any better, the NRL, and then they find themselves in a grand final in West Sydney, mate. How good? Well, the best thing about rugby league is the tribalism and the rivalry. And the biggest one in the competition is is the Roosters South. I'd love to see them one day playing a grand final, but the West of Sydney, this one, Penrith, Parramatta, it's a real heartland of rugby league over here and it is just going to be an absolute smash up I can't wait Mate tonight um, before we get into the final but tonight they've got the Daily M's coming up what's your pick through the Daily M's like who do you think will pick up Rookie of the Year and, and who's your pick to get the uh, the big one Oh well the Rookie of the Year uh, Joseph Suwali I think we all know what a, an amazing player he is and um Jeremiah Nenai, who plays for the Cowboys in Queensland. You can see they're both really special. I, I think both of them are a once-in-a-generation player, once-in-a-lifetime player. So, look, I probably have to go towards Jeremiah Nenai, or Nenai, way you pronounce it. Um, we did an origin this year, leading try scorer as a forward in the NRL. What a future this young man's got. And your pick for the big one, the, the Daily M of the Year? I think Ben Huntley, uh, he was, mm. I think he was leading when it went into hiding. Uh, and, you know, he's pretty much carried that team. There's games this year at St. George where if he wasn't on the field, they wouldn't have got within 20 of the opposition. And he's inspired a win. It was sensational during Origin, unfortunately. 
Sydney. He scored that great try in Origin 3 at the death. Uh, I think Ben Hunt wins and wins well. Yeah, and talk about some, some players that are uh, up this weekend that surely are in the mix. Uh, Mitchell Moses, you know, Nathan Cleary will be up there. Mate, Dylan... Um, at the back of the at the back for Penrith, he's been playing some Dylan Edwards, some outstanding football as well. What do you, what do you think's made Penrith's year this year, and and how hard uh, Parramatta going to find to beat uh, to beat him on Sunday? Well, why they're so good, Penrith is they've all come through together in a great system. And look, I compare it back to the night when uh, I came through in the late eighties, early nineties, where they know their DNA, they know how to their best style of play. And they coach the juniors up to play a certain way. And everyone is working the, the one direction. There's great leaders there. Uh, they train hard. They look a very tight uh, group. And it doesn't matter what people say. For me, if you come through together and, you know, you love the area you're playing for, it means more. And you can see the production line. Look, the, the, the Panthers this year, minor premiers in the NRL, they won the reserve grade comp. They won the Jersey flag, the under 20s. They won the under 18s, the SG Bull, and they won the Harold Matthews, the under 16. So, this is the model the Knights need to follow build from within and, you know, train the kids up, play a certain way, and know your DNA. They know their style. Um, so, for me, they, they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, for years to come, and, and the Warriors could follow the, the Knights and behind that model as well, too, mate. What well, about- there's a perfect. Perfect example. We've got one of the best Kiwi young players coming through in Dylan Brown. We need him to want and play for the Warriors. Any, any talented rugby league or rugby union player in New Zealand from the age of 12, 13, 14 up, they want to aspire for the Warriors. We don't want to, no, we don't want to see him in Australia. Well, I don't. Playing for other clubs, we need the Warriors to be up the top of the tree. And you did, and you're 100 percent right, mate. Been advocating that for a number of years now. Parramatta uh, going into this final, they they lost the first one, obviously, but they've got a couple in, in normal rounds. Uh, do you think they can do it, Joey? Do you think what what do they need to do to win this game? Uh, well, to beat Penrith, you've got to have ball movement. You just can't play conservative, and you've got to play a little bit unorthodox. You've got to move the ball, and you've got to offload. You've got to be a bit unpredictable, which is what Parramatta do. So they've got to play free. They've got to be confident. There's got to be ball movement. Um, and you've got to move them around. And, and I, I think the big thing for Parramatta, they've got to start well. If they start well and get a try or two on Parramatta and put some pressure on them, they're a big chance. Look, I, I think they're a big chance. I think they can win. Um, I think there'll be nothing in it, absolutely nothing in it. And as always, the big games come down to the big moments. And who's going to supply the big moment? You're probably going to think Nathan or can Mitchell Moses do it? So, yeah, nothing in it. But I'm going to lean towards Penrith. Lean towards Penrith, yeah, there's to lose. Hey, mate, just um, a couple of quick questions before I let you go. What about uh, the World Cup, mate? And, and I know you've been watching intently along with your brother Matthew, you and Sonny. Matthew, we're looking at Samadhi at one stage. But what do you think about this uh, this? This origin kangaroo situation where now a lot of the Polynesian boys are choosing to pay for their second tier nations. Well, they should. They should play for the second tier nations. If, if they have a connection to Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, PNG, Kuro, if your family and that's your connection 
and you see yourself as Samoan or Tongan, then you play for Samoa. And then it's up to the NRL or whoever to make sure that these countries get the money they deserve for the players. It's a, it's a, it's a massive commitment. Like, let's talk about Joseph Suali'i. He would have been in the Australian team for 12 years. And every test, I don't know what they get, maybe now 20000 or something. Now, over 30 test matches, you do the math. That, that is a lot of money. Staying in the best hotels, the best support staff, flying business class all over, that takes into consideration. But for these players to make a sacrifice should be absolutely applauded. We need league at the highest level to be, to be the ultimate at international footy, not origin. Look, origin will always be number one, especially mm. in Australia. But we need these countries to be stronger. So we need the support. They need the support of the NRL to try to get some money into it. But for origin, they should be able to play origin. A lot of these players have grown up uh, in Australia. And I believe that if you're in Australia, before high school, before 12 or 13, you can play origin. But you can play for, you know, the what do you say, your ancestral nation, where your grandparents are from. And I think we're going to see this World Cup. I think Samoa, Tonga can trouble the, the top team. And we have to scrap this ridiculous tier one, two, tier two nation stuff. Totally agree. Hard and fast rule. They can play origin as long as they're in Australia before high school. And they've got that country. It's either called country of origin or, or origin and of your heritage is what you're talking about. I'd look, I totally agree yeah. with you, Jari. What What about the World Cup, mate? Um, you know, have you had a look at it? What do you think of the Kiwis? What do you think of Tonga, Samar, and of course your boys, the Kangaroos? How do you think they'll shape I, up? I, I think the Kiwis are a big chance. So mid-year, uh, the way they dismantled Tonga, and we all know Tonga, the way, you know, they've been playing with well, the last time they played Australia, they beat them. So I, I think New Zealand's a big chance. Look, I, I, without doubt, it'll be New Zealand Australian final. Now, I think the Kiwis are an absolute massive chance of, of beating Australia. Can't wait for it. So you got Ben Ben Hunt winning the uh, the Daily M. What, what do you what are your first try scorers, mate? We have got a, on our station loads of people like a punt. What do you what are you thinking in the grand final? Where's that first try come from? Is it coming through the middle of the park? <laughs> Well, I think it'll come through the middle of the park, but I think it'll be an offload in the middle of the park. So you got to look at the great support players, you know, either the half or five-eight, but I'd be putting the money around uh, Clint Gutherson or Dylan Edwards to be getting an offload of one of the big boys that's scoring there. Nice, nice. We'll take that. Hey, when are you next down in Raglan, mate? When are you, when are you chasing some waves? Uh, hopefully in January, mate. Hopefully in, I was going to come over actually next week, but uh, I need some sun, so... Um, Myself and the young bloke, we're going to Vanuatu. We're going to go to Samoa, but there's no flight on Monday. Nice. Gizzy yell when you come down, mate. Love to catch up. Hey, Jay, thanks for joining us and running it straight. And uh, go well, mate. Have a good weekend. Okay. See you, Kempi. See you, buddy. There you go. Joey Johns uh, joining us. Great to have him on. Um, an immortal, probably Champion. one of the best of, uh, best in the game. And uh, yeah, some great predictions here, Kempi. Um, and Ben Hunt, he's with you. Dally M. Well, the, the, I think Sam, you know, you, you're one of those blokes that would make a great judge because you understand that Ben Hunt and that St George side gets all the points, and that's the hardest thing for 
impactful players like Dylan Edwards to compete against. So like, I think I think it, like Joey's touched on the Origin game, like Ben Hunt, that third Origin's getting that intercept run and, and putting the game away for mm. Queensland. Um, no one, no one would begrudge him getting. A, no, I don't think so. Day, at all. I don't uh, think Dally M tonight. And and there's so many facets to it. I mean, you can argue that oh, you know, he plays in a in a worse team, and that's why he looks better. But that's that's sort what, of the Queensland. No, no, I'm talking about the Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I'm a New South Wales fan, Kevin. But no, that's. Um, I think that makes it even more you know, pertinent that the guy stands out in a team that struggles and lifts as as um Joey said, there'll be games there where they would have lost by twenty if it wasn't for Ben Hunt. Oh you mate, know? I'd go if you know, St. George struggled to sign him, I'd sign him here at the Warriors tomorrow. Like any good coach would like to have Ben Hunt on their side. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great turnaround as well from obviously the demons he had from twenty fifteen, that grand final against the Cowboys. Uh, I think that was his sort of redemption moment, that um state of origin, game three, that the runaway try. Um we'll take another short break. When we come back, um we're gonna have a quick look at this grand final on Sunday. We'll go through the team lists and look at the key areas for the game. You're listening to running it straight here on ECNZ. Thanks to Gulp, fueling your mission all year round. Okay, nine thirty Sunday a core stadium NRL grand final. What is the Panthers and the Eels, the team list of the Panthers, uh, Taylor May is not going to be featuring on Sunday. He's failed to overcome that hamstring injury. He's back from the suspension, but um, hasn't recovered from the hamstring injury. So he'll miss the decider. Charlie Staines will stay on the wing. Um, and 13 of the 17 players named for this grand final. Um, played in last year's grand final win over South. So I think that's probably the, the key for the Panthers, Kempe. For the Eels, um, the big one for them is Nathan Brown, been called back into the interchange uh, in favour of Bryce Cartwright. His first game since round 17, um, which is, I think, about three months ago. So that's a massive call for Brad Arthur to bring in Nathan Brown. Um, Tom Opicic has failed uh, his fitness test this week, so he's probably not going to feature uh, on Sunday, although he has been named in the reserves. Um, but you've seen the two teams. Kempe, what do you reckon? Oh, I think the battle up front's really important. I think um, Campbell Gillard and, and Paulo against Fisher Harris and Liotta is a massive, massive battle about who gets their halves on the front foot. Reed Mahoney's been playing really good football this year. And up he, uh, Carousel coming off the bench. I don't really know whether that's going to work in the grand final. I know, I know it's gone all right for them, but Mitch Kenny coming on at the start of the game and then staying on, um, I think that's where Parramatta can really get some some benefit out of um, Reed Mahoney. So I think, uh, you know, you're right around Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali. I think the the back rowers are playing pretty well up against the, the likes of Kikau and Martin. Um, Isaiah, yeah, although he's another, he's another level um, to Ryan Madison. Ryan Madison's been talked about making the kangaroo side. Uh, I, I can't see how he meet, beats a number of the of the decent back rowers into the team. Isaiah Yell, that that spine that they've got, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, and Dylan Edwards, it's on fire. And if they do get the front foot um, from uh, Paul Law and Campbell Gillard and release the likes of Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown, and you know Clint Gutherson's been playing some good football, then we've got a battle. We're going to have to take another quick break, Kimby, before I get your prediction. Um, we'll do that after break. But just before, we've got 10 seconds. I think a big, big uh, matchup for both sides will be those centres. I think that's where Penrith can do a bit of damage with Opicic out. They've got Simonson coming in. Um, and just when you've got guys like Stephen Crichton and Isaac Targo, I think that is where Penrith can do a lot of damage. Um, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to get Kimby's prediction for the grand final Sunday evening.
Rightio, we got one minute, Kempe, uh, before we say goodbye, hand over to the run home, and then we will talk next Wednesday, and we will have an NRL champion, and we'll have all the Dally M winners as well. Um, so what's your prediction, mate? Sunday, 9, 9.30. Penrith. Bye. Two. And I'm going, wow. And I'm going Dylan Edwards and Leota, first try scorers. I'm well, taking them both. both score first. I know, but I'm going to oh, take wait, one and cover two. each other. One, okay. One or two. One, one or two. Okay, I'm going to go Penrith, and I'm going to go big. I'm going to go 13 plus. And I think Isaac Targo. You love Parramatta. I, so you don't love Parramatta. I don't I don't want them to win a premiership before the Warriors. <laughs> oh, maybe you'd be an old man. Oh, maybe. I've got to live in hope, Kimpy. Now that we're the uh, one now like that, 14 now, premierships now, before well, the Warriors. Well no, I mean like an NRL. Now that we're the now that we're the <laughs> mighty one news warriors. <laughs> That's awesome though. Well done, Vodafone, for sticking next to the boys. Running it oh, straight. It's called one. That's it for another week. Run home coming up next. Enjoy your grand final. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.